Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win, and support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures. And it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada Land. We need you to. And so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com slash join. And thank you. This episode of Canada Land is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress that is trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. It's a great mattress at a very reasonable price point. comes with a 20-year warranty. And a great deal for our listeners. Douglas is giving you a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. That is douglas.ca slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace, the easiest way to create a beautiful website, blog, or online store for you and your ideas. Squarespace features an elegant interface, beautiful templates, and incredible 24-7 customer support. Try Squarespace at squarespace.com and enter the offer code CANADALAND at checkout to get 10% off. Katie Gibbs, biologist at the University of Ottawa, founder of Evidence for Democracy. Why, you're not a journalist at all. You have a real job, and you're a lobbyist of all things. Thank you. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Welcome to Shortcuts. This episode of Canada Land Shortcuts is brought to you by Brooks Gray, South Godfrey, Michael Miles, Brian Bancroft, Angus Bell, Alan Morantz, Mark Crechen, Thomas Hawk, Brad Johnson, and Cindy McDougall. Cindy, why did you decide to be awesome? Well, I believe that there can be no strong for the state if it's not checking on itself, if it's not looking into its own background. When journalism gets too insular, it doesn't work. 
This episode is also brought to you by Squarespace. Katie, have you have you ever built a website? My fiance is a web developer, so he builds all my websites for me. For those of us who do not have a web developer fiance, Squarespace is a really good option. It's simple, powerful, and beautiful. Uh, they have 24-7 support online via chat and email, not by phone, but do you really want to sit on hold waiting for a tech support by the phone? For $8 a month, you get a free domain if you get Squarespace for a year. And what they have is, is responsive design. So you build your site once and it works on everything, tablet or a phone or, or a laptop or whatever. And every website comes with a free online store for e-commerce. The cover pages are sort of pre-designed. You just sort of fit your own information and images in and you've got a beautiful professional looking web page. This is what you should do if you are listening to this and you need a website. You should go to Squarespace and start a trial. You don't need to enter in a credit card and you can start building your website today. When you decide to sign up, make sure to use the offer code CanadaLand and you will get 10% off. And you'll also be showing your support for CanadaLand. Thank you, Squarespace. Squarespace, build it beautiful. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Uh, it's amazing the things that we tell ourselves to talk ourselves out of getting help. Anybody who's actually gotten help knows that the process of getting things off your chest, of taking your stressors, your problems, and just like not letting them be bottled up, working through just conveying them to somebody, half of the battle is just doing that. You unburden yourself. And you know what? If you have a real mental health professional, no, they don't have magic bullets or magic words that make it all go away. But often they can help you see things a little bit differently and guide you to strategies or tools or to a new perspective that actually does help. As the largest online therapy provider in the world, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. Because you listen to this podcast, you get 10% off of your first month at BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. That's BetterHelp.com slash CanadaLand. This episode is brought to you by Douglas, a mattress trusted by more than 200,000 Canadians from coast to coast to coast. Trust is important. There are a lot of mattress lies out there, a lot of mattress liars. And I, I, I didn't intend the pun, but it occurred to me that there is one as I was saying those words. Listen, I am not lying to you. Uh, I have uh, experienced the Douglas mattress. It is an exceptional mattress at a surprisingly affordable price point. It is a mattress that sleeps cool. doesn't have that weird thing in the summer where the mattress gets like an oven. It's a very good product. It's delivered to your house in a box. You don't have to go to a big mattress store. It is a medium firm mattress, which is what Canadians prefer, and it comes with a 365-night trial and a 20-year warranty. What more can I tell you? Douglas is giving our listeners a free sleep bundle with each mattress purchase. Get the sheets, pillows, mattress, and pillow protectors free with your Douglas purchase today. Visit douglas.ca slash CanadaLand to claim this offer. Steve Campana worked for the Department of Fisheries and Oceans for more than three decades. The vast majority of our senior scientists are in the process of leaving now, disgusted, as I am. Campana says scientists often have to find their own funding, travel is often turned down, and they are rarely allowed to speak to the media. He said he didn't want any part of this interview broadcast before he officially retired. He says he was worried, even up until the last day of work, 
to talk about the federal government. The Canadian science community is speaking out today over fears of being silenced. There are a number of protests today because federal scientists say they feel like they are being muzzled. It's time to stop cutting funding to world-class government research programs and facilities. The union representing federal scientists is asking for protection from political interference in its latest collective agreement. This morning, Tony Clement made a tech announcement at Open Text in Waterloo where he briefly responded to this. I know the unions uh, like to get headlines and like to uh, publicize their, their opening bargaining positions, but I'm quite confident that uh, we are not doing the terrible things that they claim that we're doing. Okay, Katie. Yes. So we need to preface this. You are not an uninterested party in this debate. You are you are deep in the tank of big science. You you are a, <laughs> a partisan attack dog for the for the pro research pro I don't know uh, fact uh, lobby. Is that is that not correct? Well, is there such a thing as big science in Canada? Um, you know, there isn't. That's you know that's partly why I'm doing what I do and and why evidence for democracy exists because. There's sort of been a huge void, you know, of any kind of a, a strong science lobby in Canada. So your group, uh, Evidence for Democracy, was born out of the protests in uh, 2012, which which you organized. Scientists first sort of daring to speak out about what was happening, cuts to science and this incredible labyrinthine huge rigmarole that scientists have to go through to reach the media and vice versa that uh, came into effect with the conservatives. That's the origins of this group that you had, yes? Yeah, exactly. We we organized that rally in 2012. I was just finishing up my PhD at the time and it kind of exploded into this much larger thing that any of us had anticipated. And we kind of thought, you know, hey, there's enough interest and, and certainly enough need to, you know, turn this into a, you know, longer term, more organized thing. Okay. So, I mean, I have my already stated sympathies here with journalists who have just been, you know, facing the toughest time trying to get even the simplest comments from, from, from scientists. So your cause has my sympathy for sure, but I do need to look at this critically. Why all of a sudden has this issue flared up again and, mm-hmm. and there's sort of these two kind of narratives. One is that this one biologist, Steve Campana, you know, he's retiring, so he finally can speak freely. He went to the CBC, gave them this scathing interview that he's disgusted with the government, but don't run it until I'm f- totally out the door. And that's why this is flared up. But then we've got Tony Clement saying, no, this is just a, the bargaining position of the uh, of the union, the Professional Institute of the Public Service. There's 15,000 scientists represented. They're just trying to make a big stink to make us look bad as their opening bargaining position. And, and I have to say that those two things happening at the same time does kind of raise a flag, doesn't it? I mean, it, is there coordination? Is Steve Campana part of a larger campaign. What can you tell me about this? Yeah, I mean, the timing is, you know, certainly convenient. Um, I certainly didn't know anything about this being planned. Um, You know, that doesn't mean it wasn't. It just could mean that I didn't know about it. Um, But yeah, I mean, they're sort of obviously both related. And, you know, I mean, I think it's really important to note that what the union is pushing for in their bargaining right now is, you know, these sort of measures of science integrity. So, you know, making sure that their members, government scientists, can speak to the media, making sure they can go to scientific conferences. So even that in and of itself is actually a really, really unique thing. You know, I'm not sure of that sort of ever happening any anywhere else in the world, right? Normally for you know, public unions bargaining, they're asking for things like pay increases or pensions or more sick days. And here you have the government scientists who are 
actually pushing for, you know, hey, we want to go to our scientific conferences. We want to be able to do interviews. So I think that, you know, that shows how how bad things are. And then Steve Campana's, you know, you know, real live testimonial of that experience really just backs that up. This is the scientific integrity clause that the scientists are pushing for. Yes, exactly. So you knew, of course, that the collective agreement was up for renegotiation, but you didn't know anything about Steve Campana going to the media. No, I didn't. You are involved in the rallies that we just saw, and the media kind of made a point of saying, you know, well, a small group of scientists, but it's it's always couched in, well, it might be small because the other the other scientists are just afraid to show up. Uh, those were your rallies? No. So Evidence for Democracy didn't organize those rallies. They were organized by, by PIPS and two other of the main public service unions, so CAPE and PSAC, and I spoke at the Ottawa rally. Okay, so there's some coordination there. So I guess you knew this was going to be flaring up and it was just a, a happy accident or perhaps Steve Campana taking it upon himself to, to fuel this with his own personal account. Yeah, exactly. Even the term like muzzled scientists, it's, it's such an evocative, that, like that's become the media uh, tagline. For, it's, it's not silenced scientists. It's not gagged scientists. It's, mm-hmm. it's the muzzled. That's not a dog. It's a scientist. Take the muzzle off of that poor scientist. Let them speak. I... I, I you know, I pay attention to those stories that gets a lot of attention. And then this sort of disappears for a little while yeah. in the, in the kind of uh, moments in between the media flare up around this, have things gotten better? Have, have they gotten worse? What, what is the situation? Well, it, it really depends. I've, I, I hear multiple things. So I've certainly heard from some people that, you know, after the, the stories really started to break. So, you know, we first started to see the muzzling really happening in 2008 And then between 2010 and 2012, there was a lot of of public outcry, you know, nationally and even internationally, you know, really sort of shaming this government for how they were treating scientists. And then I heard some people say, you know, that things started to get better after that, you know, and they, they started permitting some interviews. But then on the other hand, you know, we hear from people like Steve Campana and, you know, I, I know a lot of government scientists who I talk to on a regular basis who say that, you know, things have have continued to deteriorate and in fact, you know, are so bad that they really couldn't get any worse. So I think, you know, I think it's also important to note that it does vary by department. For the most part, they have department wide communication uh, policies um, and some are some are worse than others. I was on this panel recently, and uh, Ivan Samaniuk, who's a science reporter at the Globe and Mail, was on the panel as well. I mean, what he said sort of contradicted the idea that I think a lot of people have, especially in environmental groups, that this is just about the government not wanting any scientific research that challenges their energy policy to get out there. He was saying that he was working on a story that was totally flattering to the government and to government-backed science. And he called up the scientist and the scientist said, I would love to speak with you. I've got the afternoon free, but I need a pass from the ministry. And it took days. The deadline was blown. He plays a game with them where he gives them a fake deadline. And then they say, I'm sorry, we're not going to be able to get you the scientist in time for your deadline. The scientist is busy. He knows for a fact the scientist isn't busy. Then he says, actually, that's not the deadline. We can do this a week later. And then their deadline moves. And, And it just seems like it's not even about trying to keep negative uh, information or information that might be used in a way that's counter to government policy. They just, is it just, are we conspiracy minded and thinking that there's anything nefarious? Is it just like disgustingly over cumbersome bureaucracy or is this an actual communication strategy? Yeah. And I mean, it's really frustrating. And I, I've heard so many stories like that, that, you know, I've lost count of them all 
And it's absolutely true that, you know, this isn't just a few, you know, sensitive stories that aren't getting out. It really has, you know, sort of been, you know, closed off almost completely. I sort of think of it as the a shift in the default. You know, the default sort of used to be that the, you know, public science was open to the public, you know, unless, you know, maybe it was very sensitive information or, you know, maybe in rare instances of national security or something. But what we've seen now is a shift to the default is closed, regardless of what the science is. And we've seen so many examples of journalists trying to get interviews on bison genes or, you know, a 10,000 year old flood or snowflake patterns, you know, all of these stories that are, you know, benign, if not flattering to the government. And yet they still don't get out. It's interesting, too, is I've I've talked a lot with um, Margaret Monroe, one of, you know, a longtime science journalist in Canada. And what was really interesting is she was telling me that she remembers a time when the government was actually trying to get journalists to write about what government scientists were doing. So, you know, they would be, you know, kind of harassing her and sending her press releases and phoning her and saying, we've got the scientists doing great work. You should write about them, you know, because they saw it as the ultimate feel good story of, you know, look at this great work that Canadian scientists are doing. And and now, you know, it's a complete, complete opposite of that, where, you know, even just the good news stories can't get out. And in fact, Margaret Monroe was laid off and, and science journalists uh, have been losing their jobs uh, in all our big news organizations. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we didn't have that many of them to start. I think that, uh, you know, when Tony Clement says, oh, this is the union, you know, don't be fooled by this uh, heartbreaking story of this disgusted scientist. It's just a union bargaining position. He's pressing a very tried and true uh, button with the public. People uh, don't like unions. I don't like to hear about you, even if it's a union asking for a scientific integrity clause and not, you know, the teacher's union trying to make you have to put your kids in daycare for extra money. It just seems like this thing that that will always, you know, or at least politicians seem to think will always get the public on your side. I have also heard it argued in kind of the populist response to this. Well, you know, it's not science's job to be on talk shows. You know, that's they, they, they should be in labs doing the science. It's not their job to be uh, hyping up their findings to the media. Why do scientists need to talk to the media? Like, what is the importance of that connection for people like you to speak with people like me? Well, I mean, the the main reason for me is that nobody can be as good of a spokesperson for that work as the scientist who did the work. Um, there's no way that someone from the communications department is going to be able to speak about the inter- intricacies of the science as well as the scientist. You know, often, you know, scientists, they publish their, their research in, in scientific journals, which is great and, you know, is the vehicle that they should be going through. But the reality is most Canadians you know, don't have access or interest in, you know, hunting down these papers and paying for them and and reading, trying to read the scientific paper. So that's where, you know, both the scientist and the journalist come in is in sort of, you know, translating that science into a more, you know, public friendly um, manner so that the public can understand what science is doing. And I think it's important. It's important for a few reasons. You know, first, it's it's science that is paid for by the taxpayers. So, of course, they should have access to it. And, you know, often government scientists are, you know, they're doing work that is is very applied and matters to Canadians. So these are the scientists who are, you know, studying our air quality 
studying marine contaminants, studying ozone, you know, studying how our climate is changing. You know, these are important things that Canadians need to know about. And, you know, having an informed, certainly, you know, as you know, as journalists, having an informed public is the absolute core of having a healthy and strong democracy. And so, you know, in addition to having a free and open press, you know, you also need to have scientists and experts able to talk to the press in order for it to really work. The governing conservatives have now pulled out of the televised debates organized by the major national broadcasters, CBC, CTV, and Global News, among others, who work together in a public service and have traditionally put these debates on. Choosing instead to participate in five debates from individual media outlets. The consortium says it will organize a debate anyway, but the Conservatives say Harper won't show up. In the last election campaign, you were able to reach more than 10 million people. Now you don't want to do this. It looks like you're, you want to have the smallest audience as possible perhaps to suppress the vote. Well, I know the consortium would love to continue to have a monopoly on hosting debates, but we're not sure that that actually produces the best results in terms of a variety of different options. When what you've been doing for years and years and years hasn't worked particularly well, I think trying worked, something new... What, what do you mean it didn't work uh, very well? I think well. trying something new 11 is, million, is a sensible... 10 to 11 million viewers, that works well, pretty well. This one... Uh, <laughs> there's a part of me that is sort of enjoying the total snub <laughs> that the conservatives have delivered to... Uh, I thought you might kind of enjoy that. <laughs> the, the debates are, have been terrible. I don't know how much we get from them. And then you do hear about, I mean, you know, Corey Tanaik, uh now back with the conservatives after running Sun News, you know, he, he called the consortium of, uh, of, of uh, TV broadcasters a cabal. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's, I love the characterization. But, you know, like it, it was pointed out, this is true to the extent that they don't really answer to anyone. They have no, uh, they have no advisory committee. There's no lists of rules or principles. Like you don't know how they make their decisions. And then they they trot out their celebrity, you know, Lisa Laflamme and Peter Mansbridge to, you know, and it, it's like a branding opportunity for them as well. As much as I could be an advocate for new media, like a debate is one of those live TV events where people still crowd around. They expect it to be on CBC. They expect it to be on their public broadcaster, and you get. Like over 10 million Canadians, yeah. like almost a third of the country watching it. Like there will be way fewer people watching the debates. I mean, that's just the reality of this, right? You know, I don't think anybody is really happy with the way we do <laughs> the election debates in this country. I mean, you know, I think there's been calls, you know, for many years that we need that we need some sort of new system, you know, whether it's sort of an independent debate commission or something similar to what they have in the U.S., you know, I'm I'm not sure what the answer is, but I think almost everyone would agree that we could we could be doing things better. Um, and I think this is, you know, the government has hasn't I mean, hasn't really been shy about the fact that they don't really like mainstream media. Um, I often wonder, too, if that plays into the muzzling of scientists issue as well, in that, you know, it's kind of like a two for one and that they you know, it's challenging for scientists, but also annoys journalists a lot as well. Sort of like a bonus for them. Yeah, I mean, we're always like scratching our heads about what is their strategy and what, why are they doing this? It's been consistent from the start. They've made the calculation that they have a lot more to lose than they have to gain through the media in any way, shape or form. The arrogance that like this is how it's been done for decades. We have television debates. That's what a lot of people base their vote on. We're not going to do that anymore. Yeah, and I mean, I agree. It sort of fits with their, you know, there's very much um, a desire for a very tight message control. And 
I don't, I don't think that desire is unique for this government. I think that's something that all governments want. It's, it's more a question of what lengths are you willing to go to get that message control? And I think we're seeing this government go to greater lengths to get that message control than previous governments have. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I do think it's a shame for our democracy that, you know, even though the, the consortium debates aren't perfect, they do have they do have a, a large, you know, viewership or at least a large viewing potential. And, you know, I think I think they are so important for, you know, for having, you know, again, the functioning democracy requires informed citizens. And, you know, the d- debate is really, you know, one of the only times where we actually get to see the leaders slightly less scripted, you know, and sort of, you know, really interacting with each other. Who knows what we're going to end up seeing, but it definitely seems like it's not going to get out to as many Canadians as it would have. Yeah, I can't see it. Like it's going to be on CPAC and City and Omni and, you know, Paul I, Paul Wells is fantastic. But Paul Wells is not a face that is known to a lot of Canadians on sort of these off-brand channels when it comes to like news, you know, coverage or, or it's just not somewhere where people are expecting to see the debates. And then you've got like Globe and Mail and Google teaming up like they're not going to be where people expect them to be on the channels where people are looking for them. They're not going to look like the debates that we've known in the past. And that's all fine. Like, I think it's fantastic. Like five new debates bringing in online media, but why, why you wouldn't also do where everyone is used to seeing this is just, um, and you're right. Like, you can't get mad at them for doing things that are in their interest and that are going to help them win. That's what a political party does. It's it's just the uh, that that they that they're going to kind of get away with it is kind of galling. No, no, nobody's really. I don't know. I, I, it could backfire. Like, if you can minimize the TV audience significantly, which this totally is going to do, but you're pushing it towards like a Google YouTube thing. It, it's all going to get release through the most viral moments. It's not going to be 10 million Canadians watching it live. It's, it's, it puts so much pressure on these smaller players, be it McLean's or Globe and Mail, whoever, to make sure that they are the ones who ask the question that elicits that moment that's mm-hmm. going to be decisive. And, and, and yeah. that, you know, that could, that could backfire. Yeah, that's true. And I mean, I think I think that was already true before, even with the consortium debates, is that, you know, the impact really comes from the media analysis the next day. And, you know, oftentimes that that is really what matters is, you know, that media analysis and the few moments that they decide are the most important. Um, But that I mean, that's true that maybe this will result in them sort of asking more, you know, challenging questions because they're trying to get those moments. My only concern, though, is that I worry that there might be sort of concessions made in order to book the leaders, like because it's now, you know, almost like a, you know, the conservatives have said, like, we're accepting proposals. You know, it's almost like they're sort of looking for a date. And so part of my concern with that model is that there might be some concessions made in order to book them in the first place. So that's a terrific point when you've got like uh, a dozen or more smaller, you know, print media or, you know, whoever can send in a proposal exactly, and you pick the one that's going to give you the the most favorable terms. It might explain why the Canada land proposal for a federal (laughs) leaders debate has uh, yet to receive a response. What? That's shocking. (laughs) I'm I'm sure it's lost in the mail. Yeah, no, I'm I'm still, uh, I'm still jotting that one down on a napkin. Um, If the consortium goes ahead as they've said they will with the debates anyhow, and the other leaders show up, that I think would be kind of shaming of 
like, like then it's like, what are you afraid of, dude? It's like, and, and it, like, what a snub to the public broadcaster. And I'm actually galled by that. Like, why do you have a public broadcaster if you're not going to have, like, that's one of the most primary things it does is it hosts the debate for the leader of, the, like, it's crazy. If they did it, Without Harper, I think that that would send a strong message. But I don't know if the liberals are going <laughs> to are going to let Justin just get seized upon by everybody. It, it would be it could get ugly. I, I don't know if he's going to show up to something like that. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. It's still it's still early to see how all this plays out. I mean, I I wouldn't be surprised if if the conservatives are even just sort of you know using this initial pullout as as a bargaining chip. And, you know, might actually go on board later. It highlights what we say, you know, every election that like, is this really the process? Like, you know, leaders debates do have a huge impact on on how Canadians vote and how we make up that important decision. And there's got to be a better way to do this that, you know, isn't left up to either the political parties or uh, the media companies. Neither of those make sense. Is this really the process? It seems to be so far. <laughs> Katie Gibbs, uh, thank you very much. Yeah, thanks for having me. That was your Canada Land Shortcuts. I hope you enjoyed it. You can email me at jesse at canadalandshow.com. I am on Twitter at Jesse Brown. Katie, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter at Katie Gibbs, and they can also check out evidenceforddemocracy.ca. The website is at canadalandshow.com. The crowdfunding site is patreon.com slash canadaland. I make this show with Katie Jensen. The next episode of Canada Land will be up on Monday. The next episode of Canada Land Commons, which is the actual political show we do, is up on Tuesday. If you like this show, support it. Hey, I need you to pay close attention to this message. It is not an ad. This is about Canada land and this is about you. You need to know that the news crisis is about to get a lot worse. You've heard about the layoffs. We're about to have news closures and it's very likely that we're going to be seeing the defunding of the CBC. Where are you going to get your information from? What can you do about this? You can support Canada land. We need you to and so for this month and this month only, you can become a Canada Land supporter and get everything our supporters get for just $2 a month. That is an almost 80% discount. The clock is ticking on this. It disappears at the end of the month, and then we will not offer it. We need your support. We need to keep news coverage alive in Canada. Go right now to canadaland.com join. And thank you. A couple of years ago, a cop was shot dead on a deserted pier in the tiny nation of Belize. The only other person there that night was a frightened young woman found covered in blood. By all appearances, it was an open and shut case. But not in Belize, where this woman was connected to a mysterious billionaire who basically runs the place. Justice will not be served in this case. She's going to get away with it. Or will she? White Devil, a Campside Media original. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.